are listening to It's Preaching Time. This broadcast spotlights Bible teaching and Bible preaching that will feed your soul and stir your heart. May God minister to you spiritually as you listen to It's Preaching Time. I would like for you to take the Word of God, please, and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Exodus. In Exodus chapter 19, we'll begin reading with verse 1. Exodus chapter 19 and verse 1. This particular passage of Scripture brings us to the heart of the Bible and the heart message of the Bible. It deals with life and what life truly means. And I want all of us to discover this. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 19, beginning with verse 1, In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. And they were departed from Rephidim and were come to the desert of Sinai. They pitched in the wilderness and there Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up unto God and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, all the earth is mine. I want you to note this expression and brought you unto myself. I bear you on eagle's wings. I bear you on eagle's wings and brought you unto myself. That's the meaning of life. We have a journey we began at birth. We leave here to go out and meet God. From that time, we have an inevitable meeting with God planned, and we will keep that appointment. And before we see him face to face, as we go through the door of death, it is God's desire, because he is not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. It is God's desire that we come to know him. And so he wants us to be brought to him, to be brought to him. And here he gets to the heart of the Bible in this discussion with Moses. He says, I bear you on eagle's wings and brought you unto myself. I want you to pause for just a moment and think about anything and perhaps everything that comes to mind that's going on in your life. Don't leave God out. Don't leave God out. I hear the testimonies of people all the time who went through some tragic event and they say, but that's where I met the Lord. I hear people say all the time, that's during that season of sickness, that's where I met the Lord. 
Is it hard for you to imagine that God is working in all things to bring us to himself? Is that hard for you to imagine? I want you to listen carefully. Gentlemen, help me, please. All around, God brings us to himself. And he does. He works in a mighty way to bring us to himself. What is God using at this moment to bring you to himself? You say, oh, I, I've trusted the Lord as my Savior. I've asked God to forgive my sin. And by faith, I've come to know the Lord Jesus as my personal Savior. There's no doubt about that. I asked God to forgive my sin. And by faith, I trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Isn't that what you're talking about? No. It doesn't stop there. It begins there. God is working at this moment to bring us to himself. He's using every situation, every circumstance in life to bring us to himself. You may be a young mother or a young man, a young father, and you say, I don't know why I've gone through all this. It wasn't my plan. And you may not be able to blame God for what's gone wrong, but you need to look for God in it because the Lord has a plan to bring you unto himself. And he uses this description. He says, I bear you on eagle's wings and brought you unto myself. Now this is the meaning of life. This is the why. This is the why we were born. This is the meaning of life. Now I'd like for you to turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy, please, just for a moment. And let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 32. And we find the method God uses to accomplish this meaning for life. Not the why, but the how now. We begin with what God infers as a memorial in Deuteronomy chapter 32 with verse 7. A memorial preserves the memory of something. God says when he spoke to Moses in Exodus chapter 19, you remember what I did with the Egyptians. He had his people build memorials to preserve a memory. In a sense, it's God's way of going backward so we can go forward. Many things the Lord does to call our attention to something in the past, so we look at that and think of that, so we can move forward. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. The Lord has many ways to prompt our thinking, but one of the ways he uses most often is to prompt our thinking by some memory of something. There's a storehouse of memory in the ancient people Israel's dealings with the Lord and the Lord's dealings with them, there were times he would have them build a memorial or use this for a memorial. It was a, a way of preserving memory of something. Even one time he said, put these stones here. So when the children ask, what do these stones mean? Your mind goes back and you tell them the Lord did this. The Lord did this. Now remember, when we're reading Deuteronomy chapter 32, the Bible says, beginning with verse 7, Remember, remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father, and he will show thee. Thy elders, and they will tell thee. When the Most High divided the nations, their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to 
to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land in the waste howling wilderness. He led him about. He instructed him and kept him as the apple of his eye. Notice God says he led, he led him. As God led your life, he led him. The Bible says he instructed him. Has God instructed you? Has he given you instructions? Have you followed them? Have I followed them? He kept him. And you and I need to pause to thank God that he keeps us. We're kept. The Lord Jesus said on one occasion, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life. Eternal life. He went on to say that no man can pluck them out of his hand. And he said, my father, which is greater than me, they're in his hand and no man is able to pluck them out of his hand. We have eternal life. He's kept him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. In verse 11, he says, as an eagle, as an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. I want you to mark this, if you would, please, or make note of it. The Bible says, as an eagle, in verse 11, in verse 12, so the Lord. As an eagle, so the Lord. In other words, God says, let me take something you know to explain something you may not know. Let me use something you're familiar with to explain to you something you may not be as familiar with. That's the way the Lord does things. That's a teaching method that God uses. He takes things that are natural and explains to us with those natural examples, supernatural things. Life is not meaningless. It is meaningful. And it is most meaningful when we see God's hand in it. Now let's go over that again. Life isn't meaningless. It's meaningful and most meaningful when we see God's hand in it. I'm living in a certain generation. You're in that generation. And all of us, if the Lord does not come soon, you will either watch me go through the door of death and meet God or I'll watch you go through and meet the Lord. There are many people that I have loved who are now long gone on to glory. I still love them. I still know them. I may have lost their companionship, but I have not lost my love for them and the experiences I had with them are things that enriched and helped me more than words could ever describe. God is at work. This is not some meaningless jumble of stuff we're going through. I remember my poor little mother who had two nervous breakdowns. I don't know if you've ever had a loved one who had a nervous breakdown. We talk about that. People say sometimes carelessly, I'm in depression. Well, you may just be a little discouraged or moved. You may have been in some deep clinical type of depression, but most people who say that are not in depression. They're just a little upset or discomforted over something. Or you could say something's gotten on my nerves. But my mother unraveled. She unraveled. I remember going to see her. This is the old days, of course. You know, and I'm talking about something. It was the old days. But in the old days, I went to see her. 
And they had her in a certain ward when she was on this first time. And my father, who was such a plain-spoken, to-the-point kind of guy, took me in. I'm the oldest of four. I wasn't maybe six years old, but I remember it clearly. We walked into a certain hospital room, and my mother was strapped to a bed. She was trying to harm herself. And Daddy had marched me right in there to see her. And I remember saying to him, Daddy, what's wrong with her? And he said, she's crazy. That's sympathetic, isn't it? She's just crazy. (laughs) Life unraveled. That happened again when my brother was born. If you know my brother, you could probably figure that one out. But anyway, (laughs) that happened again when my mother was born. We used to joke about that. But she would explain to me sometimes, she says, my life just seemed to unravel. I couldn't pick up the pieces. I was with a pastor in Cincinnati, Ohio, preaching for him. I was in my 20s. And he said, one day, Clarence, I was driving down this road, Dr. Audley Turner, great man. That was back in my days as a Southern Baptist. I was there in a revival meeting. He said, I was driving down the road one day, and he said, I just... Broke down, started crying, couldn't find my way home. Somebody found me and called my wife. I came apart. I unraveled, my whole life unraveled. Now, I don't know if that's ever happened to you or will happen to you, but I want to tell you something. Many people feel like their lives are just in pieces, in pieces, and the pieces don't come together. I want you to know the devil does everything he can and the world and the flesh does everything it can to unravel us and break us into pieces. God works to put us together and make us whole. God is working to make us whole. And that's the way the Lord works, to bring us to himself, to make us whole, to see his hand in it. And that's what this passage is about. Not disjointed things, but how we see God connecting all the dots. How the Lord works it out. Do you know with one little twist or turn, you could be a thousand miles from here? But God brought you here. What is he doing? He's bringing you to himself. He's bringing you to himself. I thought when I, when I came here, I was coming to Knoxville, Tennessee or Powell, Tennessee. We came to the New York City area. My wife and I served the Lord there with our two sons in a church, a wonderful church, great people, people I loved. They loved me. I wasn't leaving a problem. I was coming to another place. It's been 26 years now. I'd been in the ministry over 20 years. But I wasn't coming to Powell, Tennessee. I was coming to the Lord. God wanted to show me something here about himself that brought me further along than I was when I came. That's what it's all about. And when you and I stop and see God's hand in things, whether it's been an illness, a serious illness, a a threat of an illness taking your life, it wasn't the illness God was using that to bring you to himself and to change your life. Has he changed your life? Are you a different person? 
I'm not the same person I was when I came here. Now you say, oh yeah, I remember when you... I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how God has enlarged himself in my life. The only thing that's sad to me is that I could be further along with the Lord than I am. But I know I'm not the same I was when I came. What is God doing in your life? Let me show you how he works. This is how he works. Look at it, please. Remember now, he's leading us, instructing us, and keeping us. Then he says, as an eagle, so the Lord. So study the eagle. First, the eagle builds. I want you to write it down. He builds. There's a nest built. Because life is going to continue, and eggs are going to be placed in that nest, and they're going to hatch into little eaglets, and life will continue. So there must be a great effort put into building the nest where predators can't reach it, where it's safe, secure, not only secure, but sound and out of the reach of anyone that might harm the little ones. And great difficulty, painstaking effort goes into building that nest. And then these innate things that that creature has that is God-given that enables them to do that kind of thing. There's not a committee of eagles that fly along and say, all right, we're going to instruct you. This is point one, point two, point three, point four, point five, point six. We'll let eagle number one handle this one and eagle number two handle it. It doesn't work that way. God puts within them the ability to do that and they build it. And God has a desire to build your life. And he knows all the ingredients it takes to build your life. I remember my friend Lester Roloff talking years ago. He's been in heaven now kicking up gold dust for a long time. But I remember Lester Roloff talking about biscuits. Like a good old southern boy talking about biscuits and all the ingredients made in biscuits. Now that was not Bisquick biscuits that you add water and make them. But he was talking about all the ingredients it took to make old-fashioned biscuits. And he said if you eat any one of those ingredients alone, it is distasteful. But when you compile all those ingredients and mix them properly and put it in the right heat for the right time, you pull it out. Mm. Let's just leave now and go get something to eat, all right? <laughs> but anyway, it's, it's good. It's good. Now, my wife was raised on biscuits and gravy. She did an unusual thing the other day. I had to leave very early. and She always has breakfast for me and all these kinds of things. God bless her heart. And, uh, but I'm a toast person. She's a biscuit person. Now, I, I eat the biscuits, but, and I found out after I got back in the day that she had actually made a biscuit, batch of biscuits and sausage and gravy for herself. Huh, no surprise to me. But she wasn't there long because... Here some of the grandkids came and they helped her finish it all off. But she's a biscuit person. And when you get the thing right, it's great. But you have to get the right ingredients in in the right heat for the right time. Look, look, God made you. And you're fearfully and wonderfully made. God made you. He knows you like no one knows you. And he knows what ingredients to put into your life and when to put them in, and how long the time takes 
for the maturity of those ingredients. Never forget this. Here I am at this age and juncture in my life, but God is still building me. I want to try to stand as straight and tall as I can when I say something like that because I say God is still working on me. God is still building me. And God is building you. As an eagle, so the Lord builds. Then as an eagle, so the Lord breaks. This seems very strange, but look what the Bible says. As an eagle, so the Lord stirreth up her nest. The time comes, the eggs are there, they're hatched, the little eaglets are growing. And God did not design for them to stay all their lives in that nest. They have to get out of it. And the only way they're going to get out of it is if they're made uncomfortable. And so the eagle starts breaking up the nest. Some of those wonderful things that were comfortable laid horizontally are now rearranged with the talents of that eagle and turned up vertically. And it gets so uncomfortable. I mean, this is not like it used to be. Something's going on. I, I don't like this. I, I was perfectly at ease till this happened. So the Lord breaks up our lives. He stirs it up. Now, my conflict is this. Some things I do and stir it up. Thank God he can use some of that. But there's some things I have no control over. And God is doing the stirring. I want to be patient. I don't have much of it. But I want to be patient. Let patience do its perfect work. Because God's up to something. You and I in our nature, have the tendency to react before God gets done with his action. We react to it wrongly. And if we would wait and see what the Lord's up to, we could see something. I have, I have made a mess. I don't even think this is figuratively speaking. I'll say a thousand times, by reacting to something before I should have reacted to it. Just see what God is doing. How many of you identify with me? Yeah. You see, you know the reason for that? You say, well, I'm just put together that way. You know, I'm a real man. I said to Evelyn the other day, honey, you think I'm a real man? She said, hey. She knows how to talk to me. You know, she said, hey, you and I have been married for 47 years. I sure know. And I said, oh, thank you. She wanted a new dress or something like that after all of that, you know. <laughs> I'm just saying to you, we think, that's just me, you know. I, I get it done. I, I, I know what to do. I, I can take care of this. Yeah, you can and make a big mess of it like I make big messes of it. Where's God in your life? You and I live our lives like God isn't alive. It doesn't exist. That's the way we live. So he has to deal with us to get us to realize he's still there. And he's doing some breaking, stirring up things. You may have a little difficulty with something you thought you'd never have problems with and all of a sudden you realize, what's going on here? Well, see, what is God doing? Breaking it up. 
Almost every day, I deal with something like this. Almost every day. Some days, something seems to me more serious than other days. But as an eagle, so the Lord. Some of you are in a period in your life right now and you have no constant, no real idea about what you're going to do. All that's constant, praise God, God still is constant in your life. And you know he has not forsaken you. He's still working on you. He's preparing you for something he's prepared for you. And that's part of the building process. There's a third word. Look at it, please. Not only does he build and break, but he broods. He's watching. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth her broad her wings, fluttereth over her young. Fluttereth over her young. What's she doing fluttering over her young? She's brooding over them. Her eyes are on them. She's watching them. They're constantly in her care. Constantly. I want to tell you something. Don't you know God knows what's going on with his own children? He knows what's going on in your life, in your home, in your heart. He knows what's going on in our church, in our nation, in our world. God knows. And by the way, when God acts, when he acts on some of these things he's watching, when he chooses the time to act, and he's going to choose the time to act, in some of these situations, the whole world is going to know God was moved to action. Those poor Christian people suffering right now in the Middle East, just for saying they're Christians. God knows what they're going through and when God does act, the whole world will know when God acts. They'll know it. And by the way, you say, well, I'm just trying to live the Christian life and do the thing that's right in my life as a Christian and doing it meekly and gently and just following God and I can't believe what's being, God knows what's going on and when God acts, you're oppressors and persecutors and enemies they will know when God finally says that's enough that is enough that's enough that's the way the Lord works no doubt about it he's fluttering he's watching he's looking is he real to you how far away is God How far away is he? He's watching over you. If one tiny bird falls from the sky and God notices it, don't you know your heavenly father is watching over you? He broods over us. And then he bears us. What happens? The little eaglet starts out over the nest. Years ago, when I'd speak this sermon, I would jump over the bars and hit the floor and take... I'm just kidding about that, but I I feel like it. It's a nest. They want out of the nest. What happened? Why did they want out of the nest? There's a restlessness inside them. The nest has been broken up. 
the mother eagle is flying back and forth majestically in front of them. And they see her flying and inside their little hearts are beating. They want to do what she's doing. And daringly, courageously, one of them leaps over the nest into the air. And what happens? The flight begins. And mother's watching. And if there's the slightest hesitation, she zooms down like a rocket spreads abroad her wings, the Bible says, and bears that little eaglet up again on her wings, higher and higher, and then releases him again to try again. I read years ago, when I was studying years ago, this flight of eagles, that there's no recorded history ever made where any one little eaglet fell to its death while trying to fly because God made a mother eagle to zoom down and bear them on her wings and bring them up. Are you a child of God? I ask you a question. Are you a child of God? If I'm asking this rhetorically and you're answering just in your head, I want to ask it and hear you answer with your loud voice. Are you truly a born again, have repented of your sin and by faith trusted Christ? Are you a child of God? Amen. Amen. Then I want to tell you something. He's bearing you on his wings. God's still there. He's still there. He's watching over you. He cares for you. Oh, He's going to never forsake you. He doesn't forsake his own. You may go through some storms, but he's going through them with you. You may have some great disappointments, but he's going to be there with you. You may follow someone you love to a grave, but he will walk with you to the grave and back again. God is with us. He's with us. He's building us and working on us. And I want to help you. And I know you have the same desire in your heart to help me. He bears us on eagles' wings and brings us to himself. How does he do that? He builds. It's like some of you parents. You work so hard on your children and work so hard and something goes wrong. What's going wrong? There must be a breaking up. I trust it's not something sinful just growing up, developing, leaving the nest, flying on their own. But God says in this work he does with us, he builds, he breaks, he broods. He bears us on his wings. He has so much more for us. Give him glory and praise and honor by living your life for him. I was reading this week a little booklet that Brother Bob Crichton gave me on the life of D.L. Moody. Matter of fact, I read it, read it, and read it again. And one of Moody's students came to him and said, Mr. Moody, I just can't tell you how much I appreciate what you've done for me. How God has used you to change my life. And Mr. Moody must have been a very plain spoken man. 
He looked at the student, so the student wrote later and said, Mr. Moody looked at me and said, prove it. And he meant by that, so the writer said, if God had really used him, then live the life. Live the life. But I'm going to tell you, if you and I really believe God bears us on his wings and brings us to himself, I say to myself and to you, then let's live it. Let's live it. And if you're in the building stage, the breaking up stage, (laughs) we're all in the brooding part. He's watching us. Or you thought you were going to fall and hit bottom. You're not going to fall and hit the bottom. You may fall, but praise God, you're on the rock. You can just go so far. Jesus is there, and he'll bring you up. Then let's give him glory and praise for that. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, we thank you for your precious word. There are people here this day that need to trust you, Lord Jesus, as their Savior. May they come to thee. May they come to thee. While our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you say, I am a sinner lost in my sin. I need Jesus Christ as my Savior. I need my sins forgiven. I do not want to go and die and go to hell forever without God, without hope. I'd like to lead you in a prayer right where you're sitting. I'd like to lead you in a prayer. It's to God, it's not to me. It doesn't have to be exactly these words. It's a prayer to God. Would you pray to the Lord? Dear Lord God, I know I'm a sinner. If I die without Christ, I will not go to heaven. Forgive my sin. Come and live in my life. I trust you, Lord Jesus, as my personal Savior. Help me live for you from this day forward. In Christ Jesus' name. If you've trusted the Lord, given your heart to God, repenting of your sin, saying, Lord, I'm leaning on no one and no thing but you for salvation. God has dealt with your heart and convicted you of that sin and drawn you to himself. And you say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer from my heart sincerely and mean it. Before God, I'm trusting Christ in Christ alone. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I would like for you to raise your hand and say as a testimony, I prayed and invited him in. Would you lift your hand, hold it high? Hold it high now. Thank you. Others who say, I prayed. How many of you know that you've met God in salvation? You truly know him? Would you lift your hand? Unashamedly, would you lift your hand? Yes. If you've never done that, why do you think the Lord allowed you to be here to give you an opportunity to trust him now? Trust him now. Come every soul by sin oppressed. There's mercy in the Lord and he will surely give you rest by trusting in his word. Only trust him. Only trust him.
Only trust him now. He will save you. He will save you. He will save you now. Some of you are going through something and you say, I'm in it, I'm in it. I know I see the Lord's hand in it. God is working in my life to bring me to himself. And I, I've been discouraged. I've been up and down. I wonder how the pieces can be put together. I'm going to tell you, God is, God is perfect at that. He can put pieces back together that you think have been lost forever. God is perfect at that. Trust him. You say, that's me. Pray for me, Pastor. I need that. Lift your hand. Hold it high. Thank you. So many of you. Look, God has something special and beautiful for you. A beautiful life in the image of Christ. Did you hear me? A beautiful life in the image of Christ. That's what God has for you. You have been listening to It's Preaching Time. Tune in at the same time every weekday to hear more good Bible preaching.